big game. Dog pound. Johnny starting. Let's get it rolling. Welcome again to another episode of the Patiently Waiting Podcast. I am your host again, Daniel Santos. Uh, Want to get into a couple things. Obviously, yesterday wasn't a very good day for us Browns fans. Uh, with the trade deadline um, coming to an end at 4 o'clock Eastern, 1, 1 o'clock Pacific time. An ESPN source, I'm not sure the Pacific name, but she came out to say that the Browns were on the verge of sending Joe Thomas and a fourth-round pick to the Denver Broncos for a first-round pick and then a second-round pick in the 2016 draft. However, of course, a big sigh of relief. Joe Thomas was not traded. All this was going on during Mike Pettin's press conference, and Ray Farmer soon followed after. Uh, during the press conference, reporters asked about the alleged trade between the Broncos and the Browns. Mike Pettin said he was unaware of any such trade. Ray Farmer then followed up Mike Pettin's press conference with his own, and hilarity pretty much ensued. Ray Farmer looked just out of his out of this out of his element. Very flustered, uh, at one point taking a towel and wiping his face while Mary Kay was asking a question. He said a couple interesting quotes. Uh, one of my favorites is, my seat is no warmer than the day I got here. And I, the reality is we're a 2-6 football team. That's not good enough. And another one was, the light at the end of the tunnel is much closer for the Browns fan, which I don't really understand uh, with all these moves and the uncertainty with the moves and direction and the draft picks. Um, I want to welcome Hiram Boyd. You can follow him on Twitter at Hiram Boyd. And Hiram has a couple interesting points on the direction of the Browns organization under Farmer and Mike Patton. As far as Ray Farmer is concerned, I think he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. I think he wants to make certain decisions, but in the way the Browns have their front office structured, he uh, he can only do so much. Since Patton has the final say on who plays, he, he he's essentially working for Mike Patton. Because if you think about it, if he gives Mike Patton a player that he doesn't want, Patton doesn't play him, he looks bad, the team doesn't improve, so forth and so on. Now, if he gives Patton the choice of player A, B, and C, and, play, and Patton chooses player A. Ray Farmer in the front office and Jimmy Haslam, they have every right to assume or to believe that this, part, this player is going to play. And for whatever reason, you can say whatever you want, for whatever reason, Patton is not playing these guys. I'm not saying that he won't play rookies or young players. But he damn sure is not giving them um, the same leeway that he does veterans. He gives veterans jobs going all the time. I mean, we can go from Randy Starks to Rob Hausler, on and on and on to several other guys. And some of, most of which have not been productive. But yet still, he puts them in, keeps putting them back in. Rookie comes in or young player comes in. He has to go through all these hoops just to get onto the field. These questions and concerns always come up in any organization, from general manager to the coaching staff, who's making the decisions. I want to put something into perspective real quick. This offseason, Ray Farmer spent $10 million on two players, Rob Hausler and Dwayne Bowe. Between those two players this season, those two players have produced one catch and six yards. With that stat line... From Rob Hausler, the third tight end on the death chart. Rob Hausler today, in fact, was placed on injured reserve, and they brought up uh, De- Deontay Sanders from the from the practice squad, another defensive back Mike Pettin likes, a small defensive back. I'm personally for coaches wanting to align a team a specific way to what they want their style of 
play to be. And of course, that's the case in any sport, from basketball to football to baseball, uh, especially in the analytic age where you're getting all this analytic information from the front office and you're supposed to apply it to the court, to the field. Uh, it's a lot of pressure on the coaching staff. And I personally have no idea if the Browns even have an analytic department. I haven't read anything about it. I haven't seen anything on Twitter or any news articles about um, any really any football team um, using analytic information. But you see that mainly in basketball and baseball. It just makes fans wonder who's running the organization, which way the organization is truly going. I believe Mike Pettin is definitely on the hot seat, and I believe Rafe Farmer is chairs in Berea is actually burning as we speak right now. There's no way after yesterday's events with the trade coming out and not not going through and fans displeasure, Dog Pound Nation actually put out a petition yesterday, and as of today, Wednesday, has over a thousand uh, signers of the petition for Ray Farmer to be fired in Berea. So, you know, it just shows you the displeasure of the fans. That these fans are loyal. Um, I hope Haslam sees that. Never know what that guy is up to. But it all boils down to tomorrow night on a short week with the trade deadline debacle yesterday behind us. Trying to get through this game in Cincinnati. I believe Mike Patton's seat is hot. I believe that Ray Farmer's seat is burning as we speak in Berea. I want to bring back Hiram, and he has an interesting take on Mike Pettin affecting Ray Farmer's job performance. He just doesn't seem to be open-minded enough to be able to have a formal competition or to let the best player get the job. Let me give you an example. He comes to camp and says, well, I want competition. I want the best player to get the job. But yet and still, Terrell Pryor did not practice, did not play, and yet and still he got the job over some other Josh Lins, Vince Bailey, and some other guys. You can't keep doing that. Randy Starks is not a starter in the NFL anymore. But yet and still he's playing ahead of John Hughes, Jamie Meter, and a couple other guys. This is what I'm talking about. He has a love affair with veteran ball players who are average to below average players but yet and still he keeps putting them back out there now i want you to keep your eye on something watch tomorrow's game watch ibrahim campbell he looked good against arizona if he continues to play at that high level it's going to be interesting to see when dante whitner is healthy again if he gets that job back if I had to guess, I think he will get that job back, no matter how Ibrahim Campbell plays. It kind of reminds me of no matter how how uh, Johnny Manziel would have played in that Tennessee game, he was not going to start the next game. Patton had his mind made up. This is what people don't understand. He had his mind made up, and there was nothing anybody can do that was going to tell him otherwise. This is how close-minded he was. He is. And he was when he first got the job and coming out and saying, no matter what, no rookie quarterback will start. I don't care how good he is. Well, he, he has to be, he has to be, you know, uh, Dan Marino type to even start. But yet still, he gives the job to Brian Hoyer. Gave the job to Josh McCown. Then he says, well, in the Tennessee game, I went conservative because I don't want uh, to lose the game because of turnovers. Hell, Josh McCown has been a turnover machine since he's been in the league. And he's turned to a, he's had seven fumbles in seven games along with four interceptions. How in the hell is that? How is that not a turnover machine? And yet and still you keep letting him throw the ball deep and throw the ball all over the field. 
Josh McCown has lost two games this year by himself with his untimely interceptions. The Denver game and then the game against Arizona, he swung the momentum with that horrible throw in the end zone. He, he's been doing it his whole career. But yet and still, we can't have a quarterback who can't learn on the job. This is part of the inconsistencies of Mike Patton. And Ray Farmer is getting the brunt end of his inconsistencies on how he treats ball players because he has the official title as GM. Now, listening to his press conference, he said at least twice, I don't operate in a vacuum. Everything is a group decision. He said it twice. Who do you think is part of that group decision? Mike Pettin. This is on Pettin not playing Justin Gilbert, who he wanted, not playing Cam Irving, and not playing Manziel. This is on Mike Pettin. You don't take guys this high. And I understand the Irving thing because he was, you know, as a replacement. But to put Manziel and Gilbert through these issues like the way he has is totally unacceptable. And I don't think Gilbert, I thought Gilbert was solid. I thought he had a similar season, rookie's year, to Joe Hayden. But yet still, you putting Johnson, Batamosi, you putting Pierre Desir, who, who has looked okay. I thought he should have lost his job, and I had no problem with him losing his job, but he's looked okay. But you telling me Gilbert looked that bad that he can't get on the field? Something is, something is wrong with Mike Patton. And you can tell in the players like Barky Vizmingo, Paul Kruger, and some other players how frustrated they are. So in saying that, I think Ray Farmer is getting a raw deal from the fans and the media, and and people are overlooking Mike Pettin. I don't know if you can solely blame Mike Pettin for the draft class and the performance on the field from the people we drafted, Justin Gilbert, Johnny Menzel, drafting Cam Irving with the second first-round pick we had. You have to see how these players pan out. With Justin Gilbert, Mike Pettin wanted Justin Gilbert. If you remember um, from a couple years ago, there's video of Mike Pettin calling Justin Gilbert in the draft room. And his first question he had for Justin Gilbert, which was recorded by the cameras, was, are you ready to play some bump and run? And Mike Pettin really believed that Justin Gilbert could provide some coverage on the outside and could, pair up, could match up on the opposite side of Joe Hayden. But it never came to fruition. And that maybe contributed to Justin Gilbert's maturity levels. If you remember before the season started this year, how he got in the accident on the side of the road, um, over road rage. I want to put all this aside and focus now on the Bengals, the undefeated Bengals going into Cincinnati. Josh McCown officially ruled out. Johnny Menzel will get the start conferred by the team this morning. This is a great opportunity for Pettin to quiet the critics, quiet the media going after his job, especially as, again, as I said, after this week's horrible Tuesday. This is a great chance to rebound especially with johnny starting johnny can get can like i said last podcast can give us a shot in the arm can energize the defense to play good can energize the offensive players the offense will be without brian hartline and andrew hawkins who is still on concussion protocol and you know what that means yes an increased role in marlon moore seeing more marlon moore as receiver we also see some Dwayne bow marlon moore did get more snaps than Dwayne bow Dwayne bow only played in garbage time um you know maybe Dwayne bow steps up maybe johnny start targets him if Dwayne bow gets in the game who knows andy dalton it's now november so maybe this will change his tide he has had a great season so far they have a great offensive line great backfield 
Um, solid defense. They played well last week in Pittsburgh. A huge matchup I'm going to watch is the defensive backs and linebackers against the Bengals, running backs, tight ends, and receivers. Adrian Green, Tyler Eifert are having great seasons. Traymon Williams is having a really bad year. Last week against the Cardinals, three or four times the Cardinals receivers got behind the defense for potential scores. Two of them were dropped. Um long passes so it'll be interesting to see how abraham campbell appeared this year who are filling in for dante whitner and joe hayden respond uh again on joe hayden it, it last week was just horrible to watch it was just sad to see how much he was getting burnt and how carson palmer was pretty much picking on picking on him the same way ben walsberger did last year the first game of the season against justin gilbert so it's just something we have to keep an eye on. It's something that I'll be anxiously watching to see how the defense responds. I believe the offense, though, will play inspired football behind Johnny. I'm looking for some excitement. I'm looking for a rejuvenated offensive line. Browns were ranked as the second offensive line in the league this week uh, by Pro Football Focus. And um, they've all been having a really good season. One thing I do not want to see is the is the uh, disappearance of Duke Johnson. Last week, hardly in any second-half plays after the first half. He needs more touches. It's been said by the Flippo this week to the media that they're looking at ways to get him the ball more, uh, possibly on as a receiver. They just need the ball in his hands on stretch plays, whatever you got to do, especially with Johnny now. You have an element of speed in the backfield with the running back. So I'm looking for Duke Johnson to have a big game, maybe over 20 to 25 touches. Isaiah Carell, if he can get the running game going again. Uh, Robert Turman, if he can keep, hang on to the ball in, in the red zone, or they put him in the red zone for the big back. It'll be interesting to see how this offense responds with Johnny behind behind this, behind this center. Prediction-wise, if the defense can play inspired football, the offense uh, wows everybody and is flowing coherently, and Johnny has everything down pat. I'm looking for the upset. I'm going to take the Browns 20-14. to I believe that, again, if the defense can step up, if defense plays inspired football, passionate football behind Carlos Dansby, Jim O'Neill calls a decent game plan, uh, pressures Andy Dal- Dalton, uh, somehow we contain A.J. Green. A.J. Green likes to get the four-yard dump and pass and run run for 40 yards. So we just need to look out for our coverages. And last week, uh, we had a lot of tape of Cardinals receivers blowing by defenders and coverages getting downfield. So it will be interesting to see the adjustments on this short week. Again, a win is needed, especially after Tuesday, to get this fan base back back on track and behind and supporting the Browns. I want to thank Hiram Boyd. Again, his Twitter handle is at Hiram Boyd. Not Bizarro Hiram. Uh, we, I'm not sure he made that parody account. I haven't really seen it around. But I want to thank him for his insights. He has some really good takes on Mike Pettin and Ray Farmer and how they're coexisting with each other. I want to encourage you, the listener, to participate and i again as i mentioned in the first podcast i created this podcast for the fans so we can all get together and share our ideas and thoughts and uh a skype roundtables hasn't really come out um have issues with people's times and stuff but i believe that will play out and hopefully we can get one going uh sooner than later and i'm still working on that but i appreciate everyone's feedback all the positive comments now though looking ahead Tomorrow, Thursday, big game, primetime game on CBS. Very excited to see what Johnny Menzel brings to this offense. Excited to get the fan base back supporting the team where all the support belongs, not focused on Ray Farmer's actions in the, as a front office 
executive rather than signing a petition. Again, I want to thank you for tuning into the Patiently Awaiting podcast. This is your host, Daniel Santos. I want to thank all the loyal fans for tuning in, all the loyal fans for keeping supporting this Browns team. Let's go Browns.